0: The Oklahoma Sooners are set to host the number one defensive lineman in the 2024 class. We're going to talk about that guy coming up on today's episode of Locked On Sooners.
1: You are Locked On Sooners, your daily podcast on the Oklahoma
0: Sooners. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Sooner Nation? Welcome to Locked On Sooners. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit fanduel.com slash locked on today to get started. Thank you for joining us. My name is John Williams. You can follow me on Twitter at John9Williams. You can follow the show on Twitter at Locked On Sooners. My buddy here is Josh Helmer. You can follow him on Twitter at JoshOnRef. You can also hear him Monday through Friday on 94.7 The Ref in Norman. Josh, what's up, my man?
1: What's going on? Everything's uh, all good in the neighborhood.
0: What well, we got a, a big visitor coming up uh, down the pipeline for OU. Yep. Coming up on March the 4th, less than four weeks away. I mean, we're looking at a little over three weeks away, really, because of the, the short month in February. Uh, the Oklahoma Sooners are going to be hosting number one defensive line prospect, the top five prospect in the 2024 recruiting class Williams and sorry, William. Yeah. Williams and Winari. sorry, it always throws me off that he's got an S at the beginning of his front, first name being Williams myself, that should be easy to come by. So they're going to be hosting him on uh, March 4th. One of four teams. If you look at the two, four, seven sports kind of trending uh, or teams that he's kind of warm on uh, Oklahoma, Oregon, Tennessee, and Missouri are those four. So Oklahoma is in a really good spot right now. Obviously, they they'll have to kind of fend off all comers. This dude's got thirty Power Five offers. And um, you look at a lot of recruits and a lot of their offer sheets, and you might be talking about like twenty. 25, something like that. dude has got 30 power five offers. And that's only because like the rest of the power five decided, ah, we're not going to get this kid. There's no way. So we're not going to worry about offering him. But I mean, it's all the heavy hitters, the Alabama, Georgia, Ohio state, Oregon, Michigan state, Michigan, Tennessee, Penn state, Oklahoma, like anybody who's anybody's offered this kid. And there's a reason why, because he's really, really good. uh, And the Oklahoma Sooners are going to be able to put their best foot forward when they host him on March the 4th.
1: You know, we've spent a lot of time talking about the importance of landing David Stone in this 2024 class. Is it equally or more important that they land Williams Winery in this class too? I mean, look, five-star kid, uh, you know, you mentioned it, top five guy, actually top three guy according to 24-7 sports, top defensive lineman, number one player obviously from the uh, state of Missouri. If you're, you're wondering about him, He's from Lee summit. So Lee summit North up in Missouri. And you can see right there from 24 seven sports. If you're watching along with us on the YouTube side, he's a five-star both uh two, four, seven sports and the composite rankings on three consensus, a five-star there and everybody else across the board, ESPN rivals on three, all rate him very, very highly on three. Is that just that they don't hand out the five stars this early in the cycle because he's rated number three overall by on three.
0: That's the only thing I can guess is that it's too early in the in the cycle for them to be labeling people as five stars. Um, so that's yeah, that's all I can really guess on that front.
1: Well, suffice it to say, I mean, it's it's huge news that Oklahoma has earned the visit here for Williams Winery. I, I mean, to me, you already see on twenty four seven Sports if you hop on over there and check out just his uh, prospect page that Missouri. Oklahoma, Oregon, Tennessee, those are the four schools listed as warm in terms of uh, interest for Wannery. Missouri, you know, you you worry about the homeschool factor being at play, John, not wanting uh, to leave home, that there's that pull to stay home and be the, the star player at home. I I I could almost reverse that, though, too, and say, okay, that makes me a little bit, you know, less concerned about Missouri. It kind of makes me feel in some ways maybe it's actually a three horse race between oklahoma oregon and tennessee and that it's almost like a courtesy include missouri no offense uh tigers out there but uh this is huge news it would be a great get for both miguel chavis and todd bates i think there's a little bit of discussion on where exactly he would play Mm -hmm. at the next level uh he's not really considered just a you know, lock it up, throw away the key defensive tackle, lock it up, throw away the key edge rusher. He's kind of considered to be either or. So, I mean, that's that's what you're talking about, John, when you talk about versatility.
0: Yeah, you look at a guy like uh, Alan True from 247 Sports, one of their national recruiting analysts, and that's what he talks about, strong side defensive end, defensive uh, end a defensive end in both four and three man alignments, but he's got the frame to bulk up to be a defensive tackle. And he strictly plays on the interior for, for at least some I say strictly from what I saw, 90 to 95% of his snaps were on the defensive interior. And I mean, he's just a mismatch there. Like his quickness is too much for guards and centers. When he's playing defensive tackle, he's got the length to be able to, to hold off tackles when he's playing a uh, defensive end. He just, he's a quick dude. At 6'5", 6'6", I mean, he's only 260, 250. Uh, some places still have him, you know, as like 230, which I think is probably a little light for where he's at now. I think he's probably more in the 250, 260 range. But he moves really, really well for that size. You get him into a, a collegiate strength and conditioning program, a nutrition program, and you decide, hey, we're gonna, we are we want to make this kid a defensive tackle because we think he's a legit three-tech, you know, pass-rushing defensive tackle. I mean, he could probably stand to add, you know, he could probably add 20 pounds and not lose any of his quickness, lose any of his burst because he just, he has the body type to be able to do that again, six, five, six, six. And he's every bit of it. And when he's, you know, you look at him on you know the huddle film or the, the, the huddle highlight tape. And I mean, he just towers over these kids and I, I'm watching him, and and one of the kind of, I don't want to say concerns, but one of the things I think he could work on as I'm looking at him is playing with better pad level. Cause he gets really tall, really, I feel like early. A little bit early, but some of that is how many dudes out there that he's going up against are six, three, six, four, you know, in the Kansas city prep, uh, high school ranks, probably not a lot. Um, and so it's an interesting kind of aspect, but I think obviously the skill set is there. He's quick. He's got a really good swim move. Uh, He's able to get by blockers without them really laying a finger on him because he has a really, really nice stutter step that just puts offensive linemen off balance and then is able to work around him. So just, and he just really good closing speed. He doesn't give up on plays. He pursues well, just a a lot to really like about the kid.
1: Yeah. I, I have been sitting here watching his huddle tape as we talk. And you're right. The, the swim move, you see it and it's already a next level swim move. You know, his ability in that regard to rush the passer, his pursuit angles, he he's relentless in that way too. Uh, th- there's one piece of his huddle tape here where he's uh, he's just like just like lurking, like okay, are you going to turn this corner? Boom, and then it's downhill and he's got him. So he he really does pursue at uh, a next level ability already. So that that's all there. I don't disagree with what you said necessarily about probably he could work a little bit on on the pad level portion. And yet, John, when you're that good rushing the passer and oh, by the way, I mean, even though that, you know, there's some really talented players in the Kansas City metro area, he just simply hadn't gotten tested all that much just because he's that much better than all these guys. And even the good ones, even the good ones in the KC Mo area, man, the KCK area, this type of pass rush ability those guys haven't seen that where the first step, boom, swim, move gone. So you can get away with a little bit of, you know, standing on your feet a little bit too much and not focusing on the pad level a little bit. So he's just that explosive rushing the passer that those things. Yeah. There could be a little bit of uh, refining there, but just looking at Allen, Alan true. You, you know, you know, you mentioned him. He's kind of as a first round type guy. So I mean, AJ Eponiza, they, they've they got him, uh, compared to the, the bill star. So dude, he is, He's regarded as a massive, massive talent.
0: Parker Thune, our, our buddy, works over at OU Insider, 247 Sports, You know, fantastic recruiting an- analyst. Mentioned on Twitter the other day, he said, you know, PJ Adabare, the Oklahoma signing and enrollee, was Kansas City's highest rated prospect, I think, ever, according to the 247 Sports database. And there's a good chance that Williams Nuaneri could surpass that. He could be even more highly rated. Um, coming out of high school, you talked about the level of competition. There's a good chance the best competition he faced was on an everyday aspect at least summit against another Oklahoma signee in Caden Green, and you got to wonder how much that teammate uh, perspective will play into this because Caden Green, another guy, you know, we we talked with John Garcia a couple weeks ago about how you know cousins and family and you know all that they can they can talk to you know their family who are players. Without it being like a recruiting violation because the coaches can't do it in certain elements and certain aspects, but you know, family can talk as much as family wants to. Well, I wonder how much is that is true for former teammates. You know, is is Caden Green texting him like, "Hey man, this place is going to be the truth. You're going to be able to line up right next to you know PJ Adibare and Derek LeBlanc, and hey man, we're going to be in the thick of it for David Stone. And so this defensive line in a couple years is going to be jacked with four and five star talents, and you. Can- a part of that so i mean the recruiting pitch is pretty simple i think for him you know what do you want to play with elite talent next to you you're going to have a great chance at that at the university of oklahoma so a lot of a lot of really positive aspects for williams to, to come to to oklahoma
1: you know the one thing that we didn't mention here and i think it's worth pointing out just for those that are probably a lot of the the folks watching on youtube and listening along with us right here on locked on seniors are familiar with Winari's recruitment, but in case you're you're not, and this is sort of some of the first you're hearing about it, he's also going to be taking a, a visit to Deion Sanders in the Colorado Buffalo. So they were not listed as one of those schools that were quote unquote warm, according to 24-7 sports. But that's kind of interesting that maybe they're going to be a factor here.
0: Yeah, Deion's going to be a wild card in any recruiting battle, I think, because it's just different with Dion, you know, he, he built a really nice thing at Jackson state He's going to have a really chance, a good chance to build something at Colorado has already landed. Like he ended up with the top two cornerback prospects in the last two cycles, uh, you know, getting transfer, you know, Travis Hunter to Jackson state and then transferring uh, to Colorado and then landing Cormani McLean, like huge, huge additions. So there's, there's a good chance that they're going to be able to continue to build on that and, and continue to recruit, and draw in high level defensive talent. I mean, prime time he's been successful for a reason. He surrounds himself with really, really smart people. I think he's a good coach also. And obviously he's a really good recruiter. He's going to be a wild card. Oregon, I think it's going to be a wild card as they always are. And then just always watch out for Michigan state, just because um, they just always seem to want to be a thorn in the Oklahoma center side. So it's going to be a very, very fascinating recruiting battle to follow. And I don't think it's going to be one of those that ends anytime soon. Uh, he'll probably take, you know, he'll take all of his official visits before he makes any kind of decision because he's going to be that highly sought after by everybody. Now it's going to be really intriguing to see who those five official visits go to uh, because he's, again, he, he could name his spot at this point and everybody's going to want this kid. So uh, we'll, we'll, we'll continue to track that as we go. We'll get some insight, you know, down the road uh, from John Garcia, from Parker Thune on kind of where this is all headed um, especially as Oklahoma hosts him on March the 4th. Uh, but coming up next, speaking of a guy that's pretty intriguing in his own right, uh, Caleb Schaefer was named a transfer portal, an underrated transfer portal acquisition by on three. We'll talk about that after the break. The
1: Super Bowl, Super Bowl is basically here. And FanDuel Sportsbook, they've got you covered. Philadelphia Eagles, point and a half favorite still. This line just, it hasn't moved, man. I've been uh, expecting some movement in some regard one way or the other, and it's really kind of stood right at about one and a half. But Eagles favored over the Kansas City Chiefs by one and a half. Uh, Let's see, over under still 50 and a half at the FanDuel Sportsbook, anytime touchdown scores. These are fun. Uh, Travis Kelsey, minus 115. Jalen Hurts is plus 100. Pacheco, plus 120. With A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, plus 165. Miles Sanders, plus 120. And you go on and on and on. The uh, defenses, plus 750 for Philly, plus 800 for Kansas City. I kind of Think there's a sneaky chance that Patrick Mahomes is an anytime touchdown score plus five fifty is not all that bad for him to rush the football into the end zone. I know that people kind of thinking about that ankle maybe a little bit too much still. But that just, just Mahomes, like you saw at the end of that Cincinnati game, man, he's going to, he's going to lay it all on the line to try and win a championship. And who knows, maybe that involves him getting into the end zone. So new customers join today, get started with $150 in free bets guaranteed when you place your first $5 bet. That's uh, over at the FanDuel Sportsbook, fanduel.com backslash locked on. Football fans, again, don't miss out. Place your first $5 bet. Get $150 in free bets. Win or lose, fanduel.com slash locked on, where you can make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sportsbook partner of the NFL. And one final thing, they've got their app. It's safe. It's secure. It's super easy to use. I think on three might have nailed it. I think Caleb Schaefer might be a transfer portal steal for oklahoma what say you john
0: i do too i mean it was obvious that this was a, a player that was important to bill beanbow but getting a guy with as much experience as he has is huge for this offensive line again we talked about it on several occasions but when you're looking in the transfer portal you're looking for guys that have high floors high ceilings but give you a stable floor so that If your young guys aren't able to come in and win that job that's open, and right now there's a job open at right guard, then you've got a guy like Caleb Schaefer that can come in and take the job. Here's what Mike Huguenin of On3 says. Caleb Schaefer was a four-year starter at guard for the Red Hawks, earning a starting job early in his true freshman season and never losing it. OU has a vacancy at one guard spot with the departure of Chris Murray, and Schaefer could be considered the leading contender. OU also nabbed Walter Rouse out of Stanford, out of the portal, and he figures to start at right tackle. Uh, I'll disagree. I think Walter Rouse probably starts at left tackle. Why would you move a guy that spent, you know, four seasons at left tackle and then move Tyler Guyton, who just spent last year mostly at right tackle? I don't know why you do that. Uh, but then, you know, yeah, Caleb Schaefer at right guard. Like, if anything, he's a plug and play guard. He's a plug and play option for you if you need him to be. And I, I doubt that he'll come here and take a back seat right away. He'll have to earn some things. But it's like Bill Beanbo said during you know, OU Media Days last year about McCabe Mattire, I didn't bring him in here to sit on the bench. I brought him in here to start. And so the expectation for Caleb Schaefer will probably be the same in that he's coming in here to start at right guard for the Oklahoma Sooners, providing a really veteran offensive line uh, to go along with you know Rouse at left tackle and McCabe Mattire at left guard, Andrew Ray at center, Schaefer at right guard and then you know a young and improving getting it kind of got his feet wet for the most part in 2022 in Tyler Guyton now likely going to take over at right guard or sorry right tackle and uh, I mean he could be the left tackle I haven't seen a death chart yet but it would surprise me if they're gonna if they move both of those guys uh to to different spots in order to fill out their offensive line
1: anybody else in this group that you look at and you say okay that's and you know, talking transfer portal additions for Oklahoma that you look at and say, okay, that's that's a pretty good candidate for an under-the-radar guy. I think they, again, might have nailed it with Caleb Schaefer because he's going to have a chance to step right in, be a starter, and be an impact guy for Oklahoma along an offensive line that enters next season with some question marks, given the fact that, obviously, you're, you're replacing the two tackles. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know that necessarily – these last couple of seasons, anybody would sign up for the idea that Oklahoma's just had this elite offensive line, Joe Moore Award offensive line that we've seen, you know, in the not-too-distant past for Oklahoma. So with all of that in mind, Caleb Schaefer, to me, that being said, has a chance to be a definite difference maker. I think that's a solid – if you're going under the radar pick out of the transfer portal, he makes sense. Can I – is this too obvious for me to say that, honestly – I think Austin Stogner might be a little bit under the radar here. And the reason I say that, so out of high school, Stogner was a a four-star kid, right? Very highly regarded. But coming out of the transfer portal now, John, he's listed as a three-star transfer. So he, relative to the rest of these additions out of the transfer portal for Oklahoma, he's one of the lowest rated. And I I think he's going to come right close to, or perhaps even surpass Braden Willis's 39 grabs for 514 yards, maybe not the seven touchdowns because seven touchdowns pretty doggone good. Right. But I think he's going to be right there every bit at, you know, 40 grabs, 515 plus yards.
0: I don't think that's unreasonable at all. I think especially considering the fact that you don't have an answer right now at wide receiver two, you've got a lot of possible answers in the multiple choice test but it, you know, there's a lot of dudes that are vying for snaps over there that you don't really know who's going to emerge. You like your options, but again, you don't know who it's going to be. You like Jaleel Farouk; you think he's going to be a player. If he takes a step forward, he's got a good chance to, to I don't know, catch 60, 70 balls in Oklahoma's offense and maybe threaten for a thousand yards himself. Austin Stogner is kind of that next dude, I think, in the in the targeting hierarchy because he's an experienced player, he's got some production, and. And I think we look back at some of his production, especially, you know, when he was with Oklahoma and, you know, may seem underwhelming to you, but if we look back and actually recall, like he was splitting snaps with Jeremiah Hall and Braden Willis, like they had a nice, you know, three man rotation at H back under Lincoln Riley, but he didn't really get a chance to fully show his wares. We got glimpses of it at times with his athleticism, his ability to make catches in in traffic, uh, win 50, 50 situations. Some of the things that we saw in Braden Willis also in 2021, too, we saw him take a big step in 2020. Sorry, the things we saw from Brayden Willis in 2021, we saw those things again in 2022, but much more of them because he got a full complement of snaps at tight end. And I think the same is going to be true for Austin Stogner. I don't think there's anybody that's going to be there that is going to threaten him. For a bunch of snaps right away i mean could be jason llewellyn um you know could be Caden helms but from what i remember, you know llewellyn's dealing with a little bit of an injury he might not be ready for spring ball and so he's going to be a bit behind the curve when it comes to fall camp uh Caden helms he's not your traditional inline tight end yet uh, i think he'll still have to put on some weight put on some muscle to be able to line up you know, next to the tackle and you know, fend off defensive ends and, and outside linebackers and things like that. They brought in a guy like Blake Smith as a, uh, a walk-on transfer out of Texas A&M, but he's not really a dude that's going to be, you know, out, you know, running a bunch of routes either. And so I, I really, I do think Austin Stogner, and I, I think part of the reason he's going under the radar is because he committed so fast. Like it was like the transfer portal was open and we started hearing the rumblings and then boom, Austin Stogner was a sooner. like, Whoa, where'd that come from? And then you, you just kind of like filed away tight end as not a problem anymore because you got Austin Stogner in the portal. You're like, all right, that one's solved. We'll cross that question off the list uh, and you'll know, start focusing elsewhere. And so I think that's a that's a, a very good answer because I think he is flying a bit under the radar right now, but come spring game, come the fall, it won't, he won't be flying under the radar anymore. He's going to be making a lot of plays for the Oklahoma Sooners in the passing game.
1: John, he finished the 2022 regular season with South Carolina. Final three games, three grabs for seven yards. That's that's crazy that that's all the production that he had. He only had, let's see, one, two, three, four games last season where he had more than one grab. So, I mean, he just wasn't a big part of what they were doing over there. 20 catches, 210 yards long of 25 you date back to the 2020 season at Oklahoma and it's 26 catches for 422 yards in three scores so you know much much bigger factor offensively just the uh the average per catch was six yards higher that season with Oklahoma than it was uh this past year with South Carolina so interesting any other names that would fit that that bill for you maybe it's just me falling in love with guys that are gonna go guys that are going to go catch the football, but I think Andre Anthony is another name that, you know, just in terms of at least what the star rating is, you know, in the transfer portal. I mean, I just, what the position looks like at Oklahoma, he's absolutely going to have a chance to, uh, to step right in and be a difference maker for the Sooners. I know that the production, he kind of only has what the one game really versus Michigan state in his collegiate career where he rolled up some numbers, but i think he's got a great chance
0: yeah i think so too i mean again he's in that mosh pit of wide receivers uh, that you know jeff levy and emmett jones are going to have to work through to figure out okay who's going to be the best option for them opposite of jaleel farouk because he's going to be in there competing with nick anderson and Jaden gibson and lv bunkley shelton and jj hester and keon brown and jacques pedway and gavin freeman and i mean I'm I'm sure I could go over there and get some get some reps. I mean, there's there's got everybody at wide receiver right now getting opportunities, and I I mean, he's got the deep threat ability. He's got the speed to to be an option for them in the offense, and I and I think they need that. Jaleel Farouk can win down the field, but he's not necessarily a burner. He's not a guy that's going to be running go routes at will like. You know, Marvin Mims did. So, you kind of need a guy to stretch the defense on the other side to let Julio Farouk do what he does best. And that's work, you know, within zero to 20 yards of the line of scrimmage or a little bit behind because he's so good with the football in his hands. You want him racking up yak. Uh, so, you want to get the ball in his hands quick so that he can, you know, find space and, and make plays after the catch. So, I think it's another good name. One name that I'm kind of looking at is Trace Ford. Uh, I think kind of lost in the shuffle with, you know, the additions of Ronald Bothroyd and, uh, you know, uh, Deshaun McCullough a little bit and and given what they have in the edge room and then, and the addition of Adapoja Adabari, like this is a guy that's going to have to compete for snaps. He's going to have to, you know, vie for, for his own playing time, but he was a very productive player. His freshman and sophomore year at Oklahoma state before injuries settled in and then kind of got a bit lost in the shuffle on the depth chart uh, this past season. So, I mean, there's a guy that really has a lot of potential We'll say, and he won't fly under the radar with Oklahoma Sooners fans necessarily, because that was a big time, you know, commitment to get, to get one from your rival in Bedlam, an in-state kid, you know, out of Edmond. So a, a huge get. And so he might not fly under the radar, but he might be one of those guys that maybe he's not a starter. Maybe he's not a 60 snap a game kind of a guy, but what if he's a, you know, a 30 snap a game kind of a guy and 20 of those are, are in pass rushing situations and he's able to give you some juice off the edge, uh, coming in to fill in, you know, in, in, uh, sub packages where you can use his pass rush ability to really light him up a little bit. So it'll be interesting to see how they kind of work the whole edge group out because I mean, they've still got a pretty deep room. Um, you know, guys that are kind of ascending some guys that are really, really solid. Uh, and then you add in Ford and Bothroyd and Deshaun McCullough and you're like, well, dang. This is, this is pretty deep. So Ford is kind of one of those guys that might fly under the radar a little bit just given what they brought in in the portal, in the recruiting class, and what they already had.
1: I think that all makes sense to me. Hey, uh, before we call it a wrap here, a little women's basketball on the way out the door?
0: Yeah, the, the Oklahoma women's basketball team just continues to impress. Won their third game in a row tonight, uh, if you're watching on – uh, Tuesday night uh, down in Waco beat the Baylor bears uh, 98 to 92 was the final score. Um, am I remember that, right? I wrote the story on it, but now I can't remember what what the final was. 98, 92. Thank you very much. Sorry. I was having a brain fart and freaking out in my mind again for a second. Uh, yeah. 98, 92. This was a team. So with just over five minutes to play Oklahoma trailed by 12 in the game, but they were able to kind of battle back battle against some, we just say some soft officiating at the Baylor end of the floor. Pretty much any number 51 uh, got the ball, it seemed like there was going to be a foul called. But anyway, fought through all that and made some really key defensive stops late. And, you know, and then what a sequence in the final 30 seconds, um, you know, Nevaeh taught, she gets the inbound pass. Oklahoma's down five with just under 30 to play. And she just bolts up the court. Like she does not play, she does not try to set up an offense. She's just going straight to the hole. And I'm sure this is designed by Jenny Baranchick, like, hey, we're gonna get the two, and then we're gonna, you know, go into full court press mode. And that's what exactly what happened. Nevaeh taught nice little layup um using the the inside hand her right hand on the left side of the basket, which was just sweet. Just using that speed gets in there, gets the the two Oklahoma's down three, goes into the full court press and gets exactly what they want. And that's the turnover. Uh, I can't remember who got the ball and then, you know, put it down to Anna Lanusa down in the, in the paint who finds Taylor Robertson, the NCAA all-time leader in three points made, um, on the, uh, the left side of the three point line, And no hesitation just buries the three to tie the game to send it to overtime. Oklahoma never led in this game until overtime. So it just goes to show like how clutch that final five minutes was for Oklahoma. And again, just to overcome, you know, some of the foul fouls that were being called, I think in the final few minutes of the game, Baylor had, you know, had shot 11 more free throws than Oklahoma had in the game. And, you know, it wasn't their best shooting night from three. They only shot like 23, 24 percent from from three. Um, but we're really, really good inside You know, the arc. They're like 55 percent on on uh, two point field goals. So just a really, really strong performance. And, you know, your brother, Joey, let me in on some of the inside the first time since 06, 07. Uh, since Oklahoma won back-to-back games in Waco, so some really, really special things happening uh, for Jenny Baranchik's crew. You know, in the overtime, they got a big three from Anna. Uh, yeah, Anna Linus, they got a big three in the overtime to give them an early lead, and they were able to stretch it to five. And then, uh, you know, Baylor battled back, but Oklahoma just kind of shut it down and, and took over in the final couple minutes of the game. Huge win, absolutely huge win.
1: Well, and actually, one of the wild things that happened in the final little bit is. Before Taylor Robertson hit that three from the Ana Yanusa assist, uh, Maddie Williams had gotten Oklahoma back within three with her layup with 48 seconds left. And Oklahoma actually had a steal before that. They had another steal and a chance to, to, to tie the game. And Nevaehatot missed that three. Uh, Baylor gets those two free throws, quick free throw. And then they got another, another steal. John, and then that set up the the Robertson game tying three that sent the thing into overtime, and then what uh, was it? Yunusa who had who had the great overtime for uh, for Oklahoma. Yeah, Yunusa made a three, got a layup. Uh, Van hit a jumper too. They got off to a, a good start in overtime, and obviously were able to go on and win. So it's tough to beat that program down there once, you know, let alone trying to do that uh, consecutive times. Uh, pretty, pretty remarkable. Huge win. Huge win in terms of the standings, too. Now Oklahoma's 9-3 and three in the conference. It drops uh, Baylor back to 7-4. and four. So Oklahoma right there knocking on the door of Texas for the Big 12 crown.
0: Yeah, and they'll get a shot to, you know, to play Texas again, this time in Norman. Uh, they lost earlier in the season in Austin. Uh, and, I mean, for their final six games against teams sub-500 in the Big 12, uh, big games against Texas, big game against Oklahoma State that that will really tell the tale about where either them winning the big 12 regular season title for the first time since like 2009, or if they're going to be the two seed in the big 12 tournament. So it'll be, it'll be really, really interesting to watch. And Hey, make sure you're getting out to the Lloyd Noble center. Anytime that Oklahoma's playing a home game, because I mean, these girls are playing a really, really fun um, style of basketball. They're getting up and down. They're not hesitating. They're getting into their offense. They're getting shots up. I mean, they play at a fast pace, and it's it's a lot of fun to watch, and they play really, really good ball. They had five players in double figures again tonight. It's the second time in a row that they've done that. Yanusa with 20. Skylar Van with 20. again. She led the Sooners in the win over West Virginia. She's tied for the lead in scoring tonight with 20. And, I mean, Maddie Williams only had nine points in this game, but you, you didn't need her to be big time because – uh, everybody else stepped up, but she was she was really good down the stretch, especially with some of her ball handling and her passing ability, and she did hit a big time three too. So,
1: third nationally in yeah. scoring offense for Oklahoma. So, if you're looking for a, a reason, like you said, to to get inside the LNC, which these wins alone should be enough to uh, tell you, you know what, it's, it's worth to go worth it to go check that out. They really do, like you said. I mean, the brand of basketball that they play, they get up and down. It's uh it's fun to watch, man.
0: Yeah, it's a lot of fun. And hey, shout out to Coach Baranchik. You're really doing a phenomenal job. I mean, this was a team that hadn't made the tournament in three years before Branchick took over. And now they've they're probably gonna make it in back to back years. Um, you know, after a stretch where they had gone to the tournament like five, six, seven, eight years in a row, something like that. Um, so good stuff. Make sure you're getting out there and that's going to do it for today's episode of locked on Sooners. Thanks so much for tuning into the show and subscribing wherever you get your podcast. Again, we're free and available on all platforms and on YouTube. Go over there, check it out, hit the subscribe button and that notification bell to let you know when new episodes drop, follow Josh on Twitter at Josh on ref here on Monday through Friday from nine to noon on 94, seven, the ref in Norman. Follow me on Twitter at John9Williams. You can also read my work covering the Sooners over at the SoonersWire.com. Follow the show on Twitter at LockedOnSooners. But until next time, he's Josh Helmer. I'm John Williams. We'll catch you then. Boomer Sooner.